long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, your official Clashing Sabers Network podcast that covers all the, the canon books. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me is someone who is more fly than Yoda on a hoverboard. It's Lindsay. Oh, would Yoda need a hoverboard, or do you think he could just kind of hover himself? Everything is a hoverboard for Yoda. <laughs> that makes me even cooler, then. Exactly. Like, everybody else is going to be like, whoa, look at that hoverboard. You're like, nope, it's a skateboard. It's a skateboard. <laughs> I call this the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what's going on, Lindsay? What's new with you? So, full disclosure... While we're recording this, it is actually taking place during the Disney shareholder meeting. So I have all of my tabs open right now that I'm constantly refreshing. So just in case you hear a giant (gasps) from me, it's because the episode nine title was released as we're recording this. That would be, oh man, that that would be serendipitous because I feel like whenever news comes out, it's right after we release an article or a podcast so i go and like i share it with people and whatever and then it just gets buried underneath everything else yeah that's what happened to us two weeks ago we had that great discussion about ahsoka and then right after they come out with all this great news about the galaxy's edge books that are coming out and you can't get mad because it's it's some great news but still it's like oh now we're buried and now we we missed the chance to talk about that when it was nice and fresh yeah Hey, it is what it is, you know? Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing with being a content creator of any kind. I feel like you just kind of have to put your best stuff out there at the best time that you can. And it's a, it's a crapshoot sometimes. I mean, there's certain strategy to it, you know? But at some point, it's like, okay, well, I hope everybody around me doesn't mess this up, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned the uh, the announcements about the Galaxy's Edge books, and this was a huge surprise. And I know you got a little excited about this. Am, am I right? I, you know, you are right. There was one in particular that turned into be two in particular that I was really excited for uh, because I absolutely love Delilah Dawson. I think Phasma is one of the best books that we have in canon. And even just her short stories are phenomenal. Um, So for her to get one book for The Galaxy's Edge and then that separate, to be totally honest, I don't quite understand what it is, but the Skywalker saga, it sounds like it's like a retelling of the original three with some new artwork, but I don't really get what it is, but I'm (laughs) I'm excited anyway. So there's just a ton of surprises that were announced that I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah, I feel like that book, and I mean, I don't really have any evidence other than like the tweets from Delilah Dawson. Um, I feel like that book is going to be kind of more of a fictional biography of the Skywalker family. And I mean, of course, 
in a way that's a retelling of the Star Wars story, right? Because, I mean, it's the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. But um, more of, like, written like a a biography uh, would be. And because she, she mentioned that she spent a lot of time, like, sitting and watching the movies and dissecting them and seeing how things worked and things people might not have noticed or, or, or whatever. So that was really exciting. I know she she tweeted the day before two I think it was two days before that the next day she was gonna have this big announcement and then she was you know sending out these tweets and I'm like oh my god what is it so I'm constantly like going to Twitter and checking Delilah Dawson because I'm reading Phasma right now to get ready for our episode and oh it's so good and so and and she's just a super super cool person because she's um somebody who really advocates for writers and she does all kinds of things um like tweet threads about about the writing business and and being a writer and stuff which is really awesome but so i'm i'm looking at this feed over and over and over again and then of course she goes oh i guess it's gonna have to wait till tomorrow so i guess she got like a hey hold off on that or or something happened there but when she announced that uh yeah it was super exciting and what's really interesting is this black spire book um I'm 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 kind of wondering what this is going to be and I'm I'm really apprehensive about it not because it's Delilah Dawson obviously but because I was kind of bit by the the Canto Bite book um and so I'm hoping this isn't some kind of just compilation of random short stories that don't really matter uh and that it's more of a full-length novel that's going to dig into you know, maybe a, a crime syndicate or something uh, that runs Black Spire or something of that nature. Something more along the lines of a solo type thing. That's what it seems to be. I think it was slated as a novel, uh, not any kind of anthology or something like that. It was slated as a novel. And I'm really excited about the concept of it because one thing I've been saying for the past few months is, yes, I'm excited for Galaxy's Edge. And yes, I plan to be there really as soon as it opens. But it's because I'm really lucky. I'm in the minority where I don't have the annual pass. I might get it for this. But, you know, my parents live down there and they're in the area and I get to head down to the area pretty often. I was actually just there a couple weeks ago. So for me getting to visit Disney World, it's it's pretty plausible. But I realize that not everyone else that's the case. And I was saying, as they're releasing all this cool information about Galaxy's Edge, is that I wanted things like this, where people who don't get to go to the park can still take part in the story and they still get to experience it in some way before they get the chance to go see Disney World. So I'm happy that with this book, it seems like everyone's going to be on a pretty even playing field for at least a little while. Yeah, and I'm kind of taking the approach of it like, one when i go i want to go all out like the the hotel and just the full experience because i'm probably going to only be able to do it once or twice in my life um and i i have no desire to go for the first couple i shouldn't say that i do have a desire to go but i'm not going to go for the first couple of years because i want to kind of let them work the kinks out you know yeah Uh, yeah or like you want it to be a more personal experience as opposed to like hey everyone's here to check this out yeah exactly uh let some of the other stuff build up around it a little more um and so i i'm i'm right there with you i think stuff like this is really cool i think it was really unexpected um and 
not that they ever didn't have confidence in Galaxy's Edge. Uh, they obviously did, but to create a media campaign around it, um, I think it's just a, a another box checked for, hey, you guys should be really excited about Galaxy's Edge. And I think it would be really cool because it's like out in the Outer Rim and stuff. Maybe this is somewhere that they connect to Resistance. You know, we've already had Batu in uh, Thrawn Alliances. Um, but maybe this is, you know, the new Lothal, you know, where it's uh, it's really super important. We just didn't know it uh, up to this point. I hope it is, especially because they seem to be doing it for, I mean, really, it's like a full court press. We're getting comic books. We're getting an adult novel. There's the young adult novel. There's the middle grade um, novel. There's just so much going on to really push this experience that there's no way it's not going to be really in the forefront and really mainstream for Star Wars. It's, it sounds to me like they're treating this the way they're treating episode nine going into it. You know, there's the, it's like a journey to galaxy's edge and making sure everyone knows these backstories and has something to get excited about. They're not leaving anyone out on this. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. There was one other big news story that broke at least, it's big for this show. It's big for us uh, because it causes a lot of emotional turmoil. And it starts like this. Anyone who begins to journey farther along the path of the force should be afraid. The dangers are many. The struggle is eternal. Count Dooku. Rules are rules for a reason. They are not arbitrary. The Jedi rules exist to steer us towards a greater good and to reduce uncertainty. Obi-Wan. What use are ideals if we cannot use them to... If we cannot fit them to the universe as we find it, if our belief tells us one thing and the needs of the real people tell us another, can there be any question of which we should listen to? Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, so good. Those three quotes come from a little preview of Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. So we need like a, a weekly update for uh, Master and Apprentice. We talk about it every single episode because we are so pumped for it. We do. And I don't know about you, dude, but I was so happy that they released kind of like the first teaser for it this way, because I'm not someone who, when they release ex excerpts from books in advance, I actually find it really challenging to get through them because it it's not like a movie trailer where you can kind of visually put things together. So to have the long excerpts where you don't have any context, you don't know where you are, you don't know where you are in the story, something like that, not really my style, but this kind of little teaser for the book was so incredible. I love that Dooku's going to be in it. And I love that we get such a clear representation of each one of those three and their points of views and where the tension's going to come from. I was freaking out when they <laughs> released this. I was so excited. It really, it, yeah, it really uh, pumped me up because, like you said, Dooku's going to be a part of it, which I don't think is something that most of us expected. Um, and also, I think a lot of us expected uh, something more along the lines of a Clone Wars episode, more along the lines of a Dark Disciple type book with uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, you know, helping Satine or something, which I, I still think is very plausible um, that that's going to be what it's about. That's going to be the main plot line. But I think the the meaning of the book is going to be found in those ideologies and where they fit together and how they fit together and how they oppose each other. Um, which I mean, 
that's just or even right. I would say if they fit together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, do we see Dooku leaving the order here? You know, like this could this time period before Phantom Menace is wide open. There's so much possibility, and it's so important to set up everything that we yeah. we get in the Phantom Menace. I mean, can you imagine the depth of that scene in Attack of the Clones where Obi Wan and, and Dooku are talking and discussing Qui Gon? with the backstory of the 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 love triangle between the three of them you know kind of thing oh my oh. yeah oh my god it's going to be so good the angst is strong it's going i can't wait to rewatch clone wars too after yeah. it and like mortis seeing obi-wan talk to qui-gon again you know what i i will wow. find really interesting is reading this and then going and reading master and apprentice from a certain point of view the little short story in there. Oh yeah. Like, does she? Because the the canonicity of or canonicity of that book is kind of up in the air. You know, to what extent it's it's canon and what it's not. I mean, there's a a good possibility. You know, she could kind of give a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That hey, that's canon. Like that yeah. straight up happened. We're we're gonna push this a little bit farther down. Yeah. Yeah. Add spectrum. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's gonna add a lot to. The overall, uh, the overall story of Star Wars, um, and and particularly these characters, which I think these are three characters that people really connect with. Obviously, Obi Wan is is in the upper echelons. Qui Gon is somebody that people have connected with for years, but I don't think we we give Dooku enough credit. I think there's a good contingent of people out there, myself included, who really want some more Dooku content, um, and I, I think it would be really cool if this is kind of the the start of that and. You know, I've, I've been, you know, because I'm me, I go to, to the Half Price Bookstore a lot, and they, they've had a lot of the Jedi Quest, Jedi Apprentice books lately, and it's just got me thinking, like, oh, man, you could do so much with that type of short, young reader series um, in this time period. And maybe Master and Apprentice is kind of the, the, the catalyst, pun intended, to help <laughs> them help them along along the way there, but... That's what March is that March when that comes out? Yeah, yeah, oh, March. My God, we have a whole month. Oh, I can't die. wait. So actually, I was looking this week or today, and some Star Wars, some not. But for me personally, March second is going to be one of the greatest weeks ever. I have. I'm going up to see Mumford and Sons on the second on the fifth. Oh, no, the fifth is Queen Shadow. So oh, March yeah. is Queen Shadow. Um, but then on March 6th, the next day, the Vader Dark Visions comic book series starts. Day after that, I'm going to see Captain Marvel. And then that week, the next week, I'm going down to see her on Broadway show. I was like, that is literally five out of seven days of just amazingness. That's badass. You're going to be so tired after that week. Oh, exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Um, Master and Apprentice, though, it comes out the Tuesday after Celebration. So Celebration ends on the 15th. Master and Apprentice comes out April 16th. Dang. Oh, my God. That's so long to wait. Thank God we'll have Queen Shadow to hold us over. Yeah, we have Queen Shadow. And then, honestly, Celebration is going to keep us all so busy for the week. It's going to pop right up. Well, and I know I've seen some people getting uh, early reader editions of Queen Shadow and really digging it. Uh, so that's pretty, pretty exciting. I, I just, I think they found 
they're I think they found their way with the with the canon novels. They know exactly now kind of what works, what doesn't, um, to what extent they can experiment with stuff and. Mm-hmm. It's it's just really exciting and more prequel stuff, more Phantom Menace stuff. Twenty years of Phantom Menace, woo! Come on! All right. So speaking of prequel stuff, we have a book that is a prequel today to a movie that is a prequel to the originals, but a sequel to the prequels and a double prequel to. Anyways, we are talking about Catalyst today, and if you made it through that mind mess of where this book fits into the storyline. We're talking right before Rogue One. Uh, this is kind of the, the book that sets up where our characters, uh, particularly the Urso family, is right in that prologue. So just starting off, Lindsay, uh, what's your, what are your overall impressions of this book? What did it, how did it stand out for you? What are your thoughts? So I remember I first read it right before Rogue One came out. And I actually hadn't reread it since until we were going to have this discussion. So this was really my second go around. And it's this weird juxtaposition where when you're thinking about Rogue One, and I say this all the time, Catalyst is required reading. I, honest to God, could not imagine going into Rogue One and enjoying it or understanding it without having the Krennic and Galen Erso backstory. I think it is absolutely essential to Rogue One. But then when I'm rereading it and I know where the characters end up, I'm like, this story is kind of inconsequential. Because for as good as it is, and as incredible as a job as, as it does setting up Galen and Lyra and Krennic, none of them really make it much farther. So in the grand scheme of things, they're not that important. Mm, I have to disagree with you on that one. I Let's think, hear it. I think the the prologue to Rogue One really works because of this book. So like I had read this book before um, going into Rogue One and I went with, uh, with Brooke, my fiance, and going to see the the movie or excuse me after the movie i came out to her and i was like you know oh man that be- that beginning part and she's like well yeah like her mom died you know they kind of had to say that i'm like no 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 listen to all of this it just had so much more weight on it because of this book and lyra's death just punched me in the gut because of this and i think also those moments with uh, th- that we do have between Jin and Galen work much, much better because of this book and because of Rebel Rising, which we'll talk about next time. But they develop that relationship and they show you how much Galen cares for Jin. Uh, and so when when he's saying, when he's talking to her, you know, my stardust and uh, everything I do is for you. And she's finally understanding that he didn't abandon her, that he sacrificed his whole life to try to keep her safe. Um, and, and you see not just what that means for him as a person, but what that means for him as a scientist and, and his moral beliefs and standards, I think work so much. And, and this is me saying that, and at the same time saying Rogue One is pretty much a perfect movie in my my opinion. And still it works so much better because of this. And so when you get to that final scene of, you know, Jin holding Galen as he dies and you think back to you know Galen holding Jin as a a child 
uh, and, and just knowing the the love that he has for her and, and what he sacrificed for her, I think just really takes it to the next level. Maybe the reason we kind of think about this differently too is because you enjoy Rogue One so much more than I do. Um, I certainly enjoy it and appreciate it. It's just not, I, I don't love it the way a lot of other people do. I know that. And I think that this book, because it makes Lyra so incredible, and the relationship between her and Galen is developed really well. And we get a great understanding of who Krennic is. And there's so much backstory. I just wish they had kind of kept Lyra alive for maybe five more minutes in Rogue One because of it. Because you're right. It was a it was gut-wrenching for us when she died because we knew her from Catalyst. And I had a pretty similar experience with Rogue One. I saw it with my sister the first night it was out and she didn't really seem as into it. So when we left, I gave her this backstory and she was like, all right, now it clicks. Now it makes more sense. The next day I see it four more times, each time with a different kind of group of friends. And then I would go down, I saw it with my parents down in Florida. And before I would see it with any other group, I would just give them a really quick, like five minute recap of this story before going in. And every single time we'd leave the movie and they were like, you know, that's incredible. That was a great time. I'm so happy you gave me that recap. Um, so it really is important to understand the characters and the plot. But it does help feel that emotional connection we have with Lyra and Galen. And for it to just be dismissed within the first five minutes, I think, is kind of what made me feel like this book is a little inconsequential. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that that it should have been given more weight. Um, God, could you imagine if they just like extended Rogue One out to a trilogy and Catalyst was like the first part, and you have all of that third act is just its own movie? It would be God, that would be great. Uh, I love Rogue One. I love Rogue One so much. But I think where this book really kind of takes us um, that. I didn't really expect when I opened the book up was it takes us very much into a focus on Lyra, which is why I think yeah. there was such a reaction like, Oh my God, she died right away. Uh, because we did have that emotional co connection with her. Bottom line for me, Lyra is the protagonist of this book. I don't know if you subscribe to that, but I think this book is completely centered around her and her trying to understand you know, kind of where she fits into the galaxy with her family and, and, you know, Galen being who he is and everything. Um, I would slightly disagree. I would say that she is, I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this. She's the hero of the story, but she's not the protagonist because for me, she's not the driving force behind anything. I don't think she's necessarily in control of her own fate. I do think she has some kind of sway over Galen. In a weird way, I would say Krennic is the protagonist of the story. I mean, yeah, I would say he's more the antagonist, but I mean, I think that's kind of splitting hairs more than anything. Krennic in this way... I would say the real antagonist is more like the the upper echelons of the, at the time Republic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, 
And that's one of the weaknesses of the book, right? Is it's not very clear exactly who you're supposed to be following. You know, you know who you're supposed to be rooting for, but really, like where the focus is is a little bit off because we're not centered around like one or two characters. We have a lot more going on um, around it, and they're having to pull in like the Saw Guerreras and the and and everything. But going back to Krennic, this book, I think the best thing that it does is build up Krennic as just a terrible, evil, sniveling, like, bad guy. You know, like, it would have been so easy to just make him the, the next mustache twirling, like, haha, I got you now. But they make him complex, and there's so much depth added to him. And, and this type of character... Uh, you know, the, the Tarkins, the, the Krennics of the world, the Plaguses, the Palpatines, these kind of characters who are using politics to their advantage and manipulating people and really playing a chess game that a lot of other people don't even realize they're playing. Uh, James Lucino just does an excellent, excellent job with those type of characters. Yeah, and it's it's weird if I remember correctly, too. I mean, this came out before they kind of brought Thrawn back into yeah. canon yeah, and when i was reading it i was like krennic is the new thrawn oh and i was fine with that yeah that would have been cool i wish they had brought him more into rebels i really do i do too because we now know from this book it makes sense how he was thrawn's equal yeah. you know i think that they were kind of in that arms race within the empire and without this book if all you saw was rogue one and you know Thrawn as a character, you're kind of just like, yeah, you know, Thrawn should win. Thrawn should be the absolute best of the best. But this book and the way Krennic really manipulates Urso and he manipulates Masamata, like, of course he can stay right up on top with Thrawn. It just makes so much sense. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the big issues um, with the amount of content that's coming out. Uh, I mean, this is like this is like a billionaire complaining that they have too much money, but there's there's crossover for sure, but I think some places where there could be more crossover um kind of get I don't know, shafted uh like rebels, right? We get a mention of Krennic and Project Stardust, but you could have brought that in more. You could have had Krennic be more of the Thrawn type villain um and and not bring in Thrawn because I have issues with how he's handled uh, in Rebels. I just I just want more Krennic content because he's just so compelling. Like he's one of those characters when he's on the page or the, he's on the screen. Like you're not putting the book down. You're you're sitting up in your seat because you know something big is about to happen. Little things don't happen around Krennic. He's he's a mover and shaker, and, and it's amazing that he is because. He's really just like a an engineer, you know. He's not like Thrawn is a military leader. So, uh, Sidious is a pal is Sidious is a Palpatine. Just in case you didn't know, that's what I was. About to say. <laughs> I can Star War. Can you Star War? Um, I, I know what a war star is. <laughs> um, Palpatine is you know the politician and, and Plagueis. You have the puppet master. All those kind of things. Krennic's just an engineer. Like not that not a knock on engineers, but it's not you don't think of them in the same vein as you would think of those other characters. And yet he has such an understanding of the way people work and the way the world works. And and he's just 
so willing to go to any means necessary to get the job done if it means him getting more power i think uh i think we need more oh that's see that's my my big issue is like i i want so much more stuff around rogue one and all we're gonna get are are, you know one shot novels and stuff it's kind of it's disappointing to have as much money as we have in these star wars days that we have (laughs) see so i want to it is disappointing. I want to add to these guys who, you know, are the engineers and they're not necessarily Sith Lords being so interesting. Krennic to me is even more interesting than usual because he's kind of like Lauren, where when we first meet them, they're technically working for the good guys. You know, these are people yeah. who... I know Tarkin kind of was too, but we know Tarkin from A New Hope first, and that's our first introduction to him. But then you have Yularen, and now you have Krennic, who, when we first meet them, they're working on the same side as the Jedi and as Padme. So they're not really considered villains in my mind at this point until they then continue to follow the Empire. But at that point, it's... It's like a frog in boiling water. You know, maybe they don't realize how bad it's gotten. Maybe they don't realize necessarily that they're evil. So for me, I think Krennic is so cool because maybe in his mind, he really is working on the good side and he really does think what he's doing is right. And the only reason why he's technically labeled a villain in this book is because of the way he manipulates other people. Obviously, by the time we get to Rogue One and he's just shooting people point blank, blank, yeah, he's a villain. But up till now, he's just a really cunning, smart guy working for the Republic. Yeah, and I mean, that's what makes the best villains, right? Is the ones that believe what they're doing is right and what they're doing is the best for the people around them. Uh, You know, like... Look at uh, a Thanos, you know, in Infinity War. Mm. He's an extremely compelling villain. And they could have just made him this guy who was like, my planet died because of too many people, so now I will get my revenge or whatever. No, he was literally doing it because he thought it was best for the world uh, or best for, you know, the the galaxy. Galaxy, and, yeah. You know, right? And, and we see him kind of struggling with that. It makes him makes you empathize with him in a bit. And I think Krennic in the same way, like you were saying, he started with, you know, the quote unquote good side, even though what's the good side, what's the bad side of the prequels, you know, in terms of the separatists, the Republic is all kind of up in the air. But even the Jedi. Yeah. He's starting on the side of what we would consider, you know, right and good and moral. uh, and, And slowly that degrades and slowly you start to see him. Uh, for lack of a better term, degrade. And I think we've all kind of been in that situation before where all of a sudden we look around and we go like, how did I end up here? I don't believe in any of this stuff, right? But for Krennic, mm-hmm. he looks around and he goes, hey, I got myself here because I believe in all this stuff. Um, it really changes the dynamic of the character. Um, and I think this book just did an excellent job of that. Like, I think he really truly believes that him and Galen even if they're not necessarily friends, that they are are business partners um, and that they... I did get the sense of, like, genuinely he cared about Gal. Yeah, yeah, I think... I really really did. did. And and I think that 
it makes the beginning of Rogue One so much more interesting because I think if you watch it and, and he's, he's talking about Galen, a, a farmer, a man of your talents, it seems like he's kind of trolling him. But if you have this book to back it up, you're like, oh, no, he really believed he in does the talents. Think that, that yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like I would say because I remember that first theme being so shocking because I was like, that's not the attitude I thought Krennic would take towards Galen. I thought it would be a little bit more friendly, a little more understanding. But then when you think about it, Krennic is probably so personally burnt from the fact that he kind of escaped him, you know, and I, I'm willing to bet that it's more of like a genuine hurt thinking his friend betrayed him and just left him. And of course, someone who has to sit and stew with that for, you know, five plus years is going to be a little bit more bitter. Yeah. The other the other line that really comes to mind is the Lyra troublesome as ever, you know? Yes, this makes so much more sense oh my, now. I mean, that this this whole book like works because of that line or and that line works because of this book you know and it's it's like we'll talk about this when we get to rebel rising but this adds so much to that hologram scene this adds so much to just that one moment and the other moment i think it adds a lot to is when lyra hands uh jin the the kyber crystal right because you get some of that kyber crystal mythology in here and you get Lyra's thoughts on the Force and the Jedi and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Let's actually, I wanted, I do want to talk about that a little bit more because my second time reading this especially, I picked up on the importance of that. My first time reading this, you know, I'm so involved in the plot and who these characters are and how they might be worked into Rogue One. Second time reading it, though, now that I know their fates, I was able to really connect with Lyra and her faith in the Force and her really just her trust in the Jedi and that they were doing the right things. I thought that storyline and her her story was probably the best thing about this book after my second read. Oh, for sure. And the the one scene that really stands out is when uh, Galen, when Krennic brings Galen that whole like briefcase full of kyber crystals. Um, yeah. And she's like, you know, think about where he got these from. They they have to be. Where do you, you get that many kyber crystals in one place? It has to be from the the lightsabers of the Jedi, um, which brings it to mind uh in the the darth vader 2017 run there's the scene where masameda and the stormtroopers are throwing a bunch of lightsabers into this big burning pit um so did they did they excavate the kyber crystals out of there is there is this a whole nother set of kyber crystals just some in interesting side note but yeah i think like you said her trust in the force or trust in what the jedi were doing um and, and how it was for, you know, the greater good kind of thing. Um, and the fact that of all the things she could say to Jin right before she dies, she tells her to trust in the force, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's just, such and, a and I think thing. it's, I think it's extra cool too, because we've had, uh, we had lost stars and that starts with these ordinary people in the galaxy. Of course, by the time we're done, they're much more than that. But I think Lyra is probably the most true and maybe in some sense the only true representation that we have 
of what life was like as a whole throughout the galaxy. You know, at this point, there's no rebel versus empire. There, She's not a soldier in the Clone Wars, nothing like that. She really is just a layman. She's not a genius like her husband. She's not after something more like Krennic. This is really, I'm, I'm willing to bet what, you know, 70% of the galaxy was like at this time. She just had her faith. She had her family and everything else was just regular day to day for her. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think it says it in the Art of Rogue One book, but it's definitely said it in some interviews um, that came out around the time of Rogue One that Lyra in the first draft or a couple drafts was going to be a, a Jedi Padawan um, when, you know. Oh, happened. I totally forgot about that. You're yeah, right. Right? Yeah, I you are it, right. I think it works so much better that she's. You said a layperson. I, I in my notes I wrote down she's an intellectual because she is somebody who mm. thinks and analyzes the the situations around her. Um, she did have her own uh, flourishing scientific career um, going on before she. This sounds terrible. Before she gave it up for Galen, but that's not. Ex- that's a terrible way of of putting it. But um, I think it. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly. She's a layperson. Um, she has just those few things that really matter to her. And she, I think what makes her really nice, um, a really great character is she knows who she is and she's not willing to, to bend that. Yeah. But she also is not willing to force anyone else around her to become that, you know, she lets Galen still be Galen, but he kind of guides her to what he, she kind of guides him rather to what she knows is, right and true without like sitting down and you should believe in this and this and this and you know just kind of bible beating yeah she doesn't force the hand and i kind of wish that we got to see her interact with more people because this this really is told through a very small lens and of course there was a lot of life that they had lived they make it so clear how adventurous she is and she's really game for anything and very outgoing so I wish we got to see a kind of wider range for her, you know, on the beginning when they're at vault and she has her, um, I forget if they call them handmaidens, but basically she has her handmaidens when she's in captivity and they all seem to love her so much. And I wish we could see her with more relationships than other than just Galen and Krennic. Yeah. And you know, thinking on it now, I you know I said Lyra is the the protagonist of the book, and I I stand by that. But like I said, there it's it's kind of muddied exactly like who you're supposed to be following. Um, and I think if we had a hard line like you're following Lyra, um, and everything's from her point of view, um, would have made it a little bit stronger because you would have gotten a better sense of all of that, you know, how the galaxy works type stuff. Um, speaking of how the galaxy works, there are a couple scenes in this book that just stuck with me so much. And one of them is the moment when the Clone Wars end. And you have Galen uh, and Lyris before Jin, and they're running away from battle droids. And I believe they're they're climbing up a wall or a cliff or something. They have the high ground. Just take that. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, the battle droids just shut off. And everybody's like looking around at each other, like, "Wait, what? What just what just happened?" And there's like 
this realization that like it's over uh and the clone wars that just really stuck with me because when we think of the end of the clone wars we think of you know revenge of the sith and all the the myth mythological epic stuff but what was it like just for the regular person yeah we see order 66 and we see you know coruscant for the jedi temple but yeah that's something i never even thought to think of you know i never once was like what was this like for everyone else because you know order 66 is just so epic yeah it doesn't leave a lot of room to think for anything else but then this scene it's like oh my god what was it like for everyone else well and you know order 66 is you know the the fall the tragedy you know that's revenge of the sith is very much the a greek tragedy right Whereas, mm-hmm. like, you look at Clone Wars and it really digs into how the war kind of affected these different cultures. And so when you have that background and then to think, like, think about the Lerman, you know, the ones who didn't want to get involved in the war in the first place. If they had battle droids there, what were they thinking? Um, you know, on, uh, God, just, where's Lux Bonteri from? I can't remember. You know what? I actually, so speaking of like the Lerman and this concept of the people who didn't want to get involved, I did want to ask you this. All right. Would you say that Galen Erso's pacifism was a strength or did it end up becoming one of his weaknesses? Uh, it definitely became one of his weaknesses without it. Yeah. And that yeah. was so surprising to me. I totally agree with you. And that was so surprising to me. See, here's. This is, and I think this kind of comes from a personal point of view um, and personal perspective. But if I kind of believe, like, if you're not willing to fight for something, for anything, then like nothing really matters. You know, like, you don't have to Mm -hmm. fight over every little thing, but there are certain things like, if you come at me with that, with that, like, you, for, for example, my family. You know, if you come and you're a threat to my family, I have now become a threat to you, you know, kind of thing. Like, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, it's okay. We'll just wait for them to pass. No, no, I'm coming for, you know, for blood kind of, you know, metaphorically speaking kind of thing. And I don't think he, I don't think he had that. And so I think he got taken advantage of basically. I mean, I I think our own General Sindula said it the best, you know, if all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. And that really ended up being Galen to the point where he had to sacrifice his entire family because he wasn't willing to make a stand for something. Yeah. And, and so it just it's interesting because I don't think Galen is a weak character. Um, no, but, it, this became really his Achilles heel. Yeah, he's, I guess he, as the kids would say, he's soft. You know, like he doesn't. Yeah, he, yeah. But it's it's just so funny to me because nine times out of ten, especially in Star Wars, when we have a character like that, you know, so, like Satine, when we have a character like that, it's, oh, look at how brave they're being. They're really sticking to their ideals and this is going to work out really well for them. So very early on in the story, when it wasn't the case here, that was really shocking to me in such a good way because it felt so realistic for this to have been what brought him down in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things Star Wars says to us is like, you have to have something that you're willing to fight for, you know? Um, 
and it's going to back to rebels again and yoda uh you know it's not how it's not man my head i have a head like congestion right now so i am not thinking straight what does yoda say he says something to the nature of um it's how jedi choose to fight or how jedi choose to win Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's how we choose to fight yeah. yeah exactly so i think that idea kind of you know, it is. Was that Yoda though? Yeah, it was Yoda to Ezra in the Jedi Temple in like season one or yeah, two. Yeah, I would choose to fight. Whenever he got the 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 Kyber crystal. Um, yeah, yeah, but, from the temple. Yeah. You know, with the the Lerman, and uh, we see it with Lux's story. We see it with Saw Gerrera's story here with Galen. Like, to what extent do you fight? How do you fight? Like, what do you fight for? These are all these questions that you know, don't have a clear answer because they're situational, but they're things that we have to deal with. But there are like some hardline truths, like you mentioned with Hera, you know, if you only fight for yourself then you know, you're not really worth anything. And, and same with Galen, if you're not willing to stand up for something, then, you know, you're going to become a pawn and a tool of everybody else. Like that's why Krennic is able to take such advantage of him is because Galen is, he's almost oblivious to the, the he's completely oblivious yeah. he has no idea that there's so many people taking advantage of him as early as they are and as strongly as they are and i mean that kind of fits with you know the whole like idea of being a genius you know we've seen that in in the real world you know where somebody is just so disconnected uh, and they build this big company, but they're so terrible at the, the public relations or, you know, standing up for themselves, they get taken advantage of or manipulated or whatever. And, and it's their downfall um, to kind of wrap it up. I had a very important question. OK. OK. Are you sitting down? Because this is going to be one that's going to knock you. Knock All yourself. right. Sitting down, braced in. I don't have a seatbelt on, obviously, but if I did, I'd be strapped in. All right. What do we think about seeing all these characters as babies and toddlers? <laughs> and here's what I I'm, mean. I'm picturing like Muppet Babies, but for Star Wars. Right? That would be Muppet Babies is fantastic. So good. Oh, don't they have a Star Wars episode? I feel like they have a Star Wars episode. Um, The old one does. They're like remaking it, though. My nephews love it. What? They're remaking Muppet Babies? They're remaking Duck Yeah. Babies. Yeah. God, man. Now, what is, uh, what was the one, Tailspin? We need some of that remade. We need uh, some Darkwing the, Duck remakes. They're doing DuckTales, too. And yeah. let me tell you, it is fantastic. I need to watch it. It's so, it's so good. You know what I really want to watch, but I'm afraid to, because I'm afraid it won't live up to my memories, is Gargoyles. Did you ever watch Gargoyles? Wow! Right? Deep cut. Deep cut. Wow! Hell yeah. I loved that show. And now I'm like, I kind of don't want to watch it because I wanted to just be perfect in my mind. Oh, See, that's how I feel about Recess, too. Oh, man. Don't get me started. Recess, Recess was so good. Recess TJ? is life. Oh. Recess. Like, that has to be as good as we remember it, right? No, that's definitely as good as we remember okay. it. Okay. There's some right, things good. like that and Rugrats. That's definitely as good as you remember oh, it. Oh, Yes. I'm playing the, and I say playing, I'm probably going to be done with it because it's annoying, uh, the Rugrats Go Wild game for Game Boy. And oh, yeah, because you got the nice Game Boy yes, for Christmas. It's a really fun game, but it's one of those games, you know, back in the 90s, you had to, like, have a password for it, and it would save to a certain spot. 
You remember that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, throwback. It's, it's one of those, except for like you have to beat like basically there's this map you're going over, right? And you have to beat these different things and, and you do kind of a Donkey Kong style uh, game to beat it, right? Which is really fun, except for I've beaten them and I'll beat like two of them. And then I'm done, and every time I write down the password, and the password takes me all the way back to the beginning. So, anyways, again, these are the problems we have. It's a very tough Poor life. Us. Tough life, tough life. Anyways, we, we've we seen Ben Solo as a baby. We have seen Jin as a, or a yeah, Jin as a baby here. Um, and... I'm just kind of wondering, like, does that take for you some of some of the mystique away from them? Does that in any way not necessarily diminish the their character, but kind of inhibit how you think of their character as a fully realized adult? Um, I would say it depends on the character. And that's kind of one of the things that this book actually does. We get some really deep glimpses into Lyra and Galen growing up. Um, and it's it cool. But again, now on my second read, as I'm going through this, I'm kind of just like, why do we need that information? Um, but I think in Galen's case, it does take away that mystique because all this cool stuff that he does, you're kind of just like, all right, he's a prodigy, so what? But Lyra, on the other hand, being that she is so much like us and like we were saying, that lay person, seeing her childhood and how she grew up, I think is really cool. It shows us that connection to the force that I would say, you know, 70 to 80 percent of the galaxy had. You know, she's not a Jedi. She was just raised the way you know i went i went to catholic school growing up and i feel like her and i probably had very similar upbringings in that sense so i would like to see lyra kind of as a baby not so much these prodigies like galen or krennic yeah which is counterintuitive but i'm you know see i'm kind of i stand by it <laughs> i'm kind of like on the fence because there's moments like seeing Jin as a child i think is really important for you know seeing how much Galen loves her and the perfect, literally like the, the perfect family that she could have had. Um, and that I think really strengthens her character. Whereas when we look at like last shot, for example, and Ben Solo being in there as a baby, I, I mean, I know they're, they're going for a redemption arc, which is I'm all for, but I feel like maybe now wasn't the best time to get him as a baby because I'm like, okay. We should have seen the end for him before we saw the beginning. Yeah, because you're My like, opinion. you're like, okay, Han was like a good father. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not seeing the problem here. And I mean, we're getting it in very limited side glances. So it's, they're not overdoing it, but I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know exactly if I if I'm in support of this until they make it into Muppet baby style cartoon, then I'm there for it. There we go. Little Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, yes. Oh my God. I can picture it. Right. And you can and it's have, adorable. You could have a little salacious crumb and he just oh, sits on somebody's so shoulder. It would be great. It would be He's great. He's like the little animal. And like, animal. They, animal. they could, uh, they could have different helmets that they put on, you know, to place. They could have, Star Wars babies playing Star Wars. Somebody puts on Kylo Ren's helmet. They go. Oh my God. Someone puts on like a little nest helmet. Oh my God. That would be so. Yes. 
Yes. More Emphis Nest all the time. I feel like you and I certainly are not artists by any means. I feel like we need to commission some kind of artist to (laughs) set all this up. If you are an artist and you are out there, hit me up, clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com, and we can work something out because I, yes. We need it. Yes, very much so. Um, So any final thoughts that you wanted to, to talk about covering Catalyst? Any final thoughts? I would say, really, I know this is kind of supposed to be Galen Arso's story. He was so far on the back burner for me throughout this entire time, just because Lyra and Krennic were so incredible. And I would like to see Lyra. I think I'd like to see Krennic a little bit more because it's such a jump to me to see him going from this character all the way to what he was in Rogue One. It's not so much of a jump that it's unbelievable, but you got to assume there's some shocking stuff going on in his in his career in that time. Um, so I just think he's he's a really cool character. I would love to have Ben Mendelsohn back in any way, shape or form or just even on page. I'd like a little bit more of Krennic. Yeah, absolutely. This for me, I think one of the main reasons that this book works so well for me is I'm very much a character driven person. Um, I like the character study type books, whereas more of the action adventure books, uh, I don't get as into, which is one of the places I have some difficulty with the, with reading the expanded universe. Um, but just thinking about the, the Canon, you know, books like, you know, the aftermath trilogy, um, the Thrawn books, you know, all of those that are even last shot that are more so, like about the the action and adventure, um, not particularly my cup of tea. Whereas the books like the Leia and the Ahsoka and Tarkin and Catalyst um, that really get in close to the characters is that's my my bread and butter. So I really appreciated that this book added so much to those characters because going into Rogue One, like we didn't know any of the characters, which is such an unfamiliar thing for a Star Wars story. So I appreciated that. We get this book, we're able to read it before we go see the movie, and that first time sitting in the theater, you have some great context to to that prologue. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we have to do our rankings, and because I don't like doing things the way everybody else does them, we do 1 to 5, not 1 to 10, which is actually a lot more challenging than you would think. And to make it, it interesting, we chop up some Lothcats, divide them out, and spread them all over yeah. the and our an arm here a leg there. Yeah, yeah. I would play this time though, instead of Lothcats, how about we do kyber crystals? Oh, well here's the challenge though. Can you break a kyber crystal? Well, I guess you can break a kyber crystal. We Oh. I mean Kylo Ren kinda did. You can crack it. Yeah, him and Ray kinda did too. I'd say yeah. You right. can, you know. Galen Ursa would find a way to break a kyber crystal. Fair. So yeah. Fair. Cool. That's how we justify. All right. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, You go first. I feel like I've gotten to go first the past few weeks. All right. This is easy for me. Four out of five. Um, yeah? Justify. I think you're you're on point saying that it's not... It's pretty in, inconsequential. Um, but I think that kind of depends on the point of view that you're taking um, from it. Like I said, I am a character person and... I'm also somebody who's really attached to that first time experiencing something. 
And reading Catalyst, I was like, okay, I like these characters. So one, that's a good sign for Rogue One. But then that first time watching Rogue One and immediately having that just emotional punch in the gut of seeing Lyra die and having Jin watch her and just knowing the history that was between Krennic and Galen added so much, uh, so much for me um, on that first viewing of Rogue One. So in terms of like the story and everything, you know, it would probably be somewhere more, you know, around the three range, but because of the impact it had on a movie that I adore, it, it gets knocked up to four. Solid defense. Very solid and very true points. And also, we didn't really talk about it, but props to James Lucino because his writing style fit perfectly with this story. Every character was so unique. It was told in a very compelling way. So props to him. But overall, I would probably have to give it a three out of five just because we spent so much time in certain places and I felt not enough time in others. You know, I had mentioned before, we got these super in-depth looks at these characters' lives growing up. And maybe we, in the long run, didn't need that quite as much as we needed to understand, um, you know, what was going on with Pago the Lesser and more a little bit about these kyber crystals. Things like that, I think, could have been spent a little bit more time on as opposed to the deep, deep, deep character development for someone who ended up only being around for a little while. Uh, so I would say three out of five, but overall, great book. And I would absolutely recommend this to anyone. Yes, especially if you're somebody who has a podcast, hashtag think with your stomach, who has Catalyst, but has not read it or picked it up. You know who you are. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Fode. And now, and now we all know who you are. Too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been trying to get him to read this book and... Hopefully you have to, especially if you're someone who's into Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. All right. So before we close, uh, we're this episode will come out. Uh, let's see. Today is the 6th, so it'll come out uh, the 7th or the 8th. And on the 8th, we are doing a very special recording with Mr. Jason Hunt from the Wampus Lair podcast discussing his favorite film, which is Attack of the Clones. And with that episode will be a very special occasion announcement a happening and that happening we are going to announce here first so ladies and gentlemen i would like to officially welcome Lindsay to the flagship clashing sabers podcast main show as one of our new co-hosts Thank you, thank you. I am really looking forward to it. And I think getting to start off with Attack of the Clones too is like the perfect jumping off point for me. Just because when I first saw Star Wars, it was 1999. I was nine years old. It was obviously episode one. And after that, I like hit the ground running. So Attack of the Clones was really the first Star Wars experience that I was able to look forward to. The way now we look forward to new movies, new TV shows, new books. Attack of the Clones and being able to start getting into that is really what kicked this all off for me. So to get to uh, kick off this new chapter with Clashing Sabers with Attack of the Clones seems very fitting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We're gonna have some good good discussions over there. 
Yes, very much so. What's better than two clashing sabers? Three clashing sabers, obviously. Um, and, you know, kind of thinking of it, so it's going to be, so the way we're going to do it, and, and we'll get more into this later, but basically, like, I'm kind of just going to be a moderator, and the three of you guys are going to do the main discussion. So it's kind of going to be you and Jason teaming up against Drew, little Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan and Anakin against Dooku, anybody? Oh, I love you can it. Decide who's and I Obi-Wan, feel like who's Anakin. the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think he's totally okay. I think with he that. enjoys it. I think Yes. I mean, and if you're going to be a bad guy, you got to be Count Dooku. You just have to have that class, right? Go. Like If you're going to be a bad guy, you got to be the bad guy who taught the best good guy of them all. Yes, obviously. That just makes just makes the most sense, people. Just it makes the most Very sense. Very fair. So Definitely make sure you subscribe to the network so you can get all of those shows. Um, we also uh, have a have starships coming back online uh, pretty soon here. Uh, I know Mark is hard at work on the next episode of uh, Forever Star Wars. If you if you didn't hear the last episode of this and and hear how much I love episode nine of Forever Star Wars, literally, guys, it's putting people in tears. It's great. Go listen to it. Um, so just hit the subscribe button on there and you'll get all those shows. Um, you can come join us over on Facebook on the Facebook Clashing Sabers Star Wars community page uh, where we've got people sharing their content, having discussions, um, and you can find all of our links, all of our podcasts, all of our articles, yada, 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 over at ClashingSabers.net or Clashing Sabers on the Twitter. Uh, Lindsay. Tossing it over to you, radio style. Take it away. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Lindsay G. Uh, that is MS Lindsay G. And then you can find me on Instagram at Full Force Lindsay, where I'm kind of documenting my year with the Fuel Your Force campaign. Um, and if that's something you're interested in, if you are fitness and nutrition people and really just overall well being, Feel free to also join uh, the Facebook group Fueled by the Force and Fitness, where we are giving away some cool prizes for mental health and physical health over there. Yeah, it's a good time. And there's some great people over there. Um, if you just need some more positivity in your life, like, honestly, that's the place. Yeah, it's so encouraging um, there. It really is. And, like, I want to make it clear, like, we're not patting ourselves on the back here, like, no, because it's, it's not the, us. The people it's in the, the other group. people. No. Yeah, like, I honestly, like, I'm I'm like, oh, my God, I got to keep up with, like, the positivity, yeah. you know, with, with these people. It's hard to keep up with everybody. It's just great. So definitely make sure you check that out. And make sure you tune in next time. We're going to talk about Rebel Rising to finish off our Rogue One discussion. So until next time, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff. Our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text!